So another thing to know about me is I love football. Uh, me and Daniel, we, start, we played football together for many years. Uh, we ate a lot of food together, played a lot of Madden. Um, and I, I love football so much that uh, I would like fangirl over uh, a quarterback named Aaron Rodgers. And I, so don't, if you're worried this might be a sports illustration, don't worry, it's not a sports illustration. Kendra, it's not sports. So um, we, I love football so much, we'd go down, and I got this opportunity to go see Aaron Rodgers play. He plays in the Green Bay Packers, uh, and it was, an, it was an amazing opportunity. So my dad's like, hey, Luke, you can go and bring someone. So I phoned Daniel, Daniel, want to go see a game with me? Yes. And so I got to go and watch Aaron Rodgers play football. And so I was into football, and as Daniel says, I'm a very underrated athlete, and I was really into football, and I was really hoping to actually go somewhere. So I was hoping to go to post-secondary school for football, and so this was a good opportunity for me to watch and learn from someone who is considered the greatest of all time at the quarterback position. And so if that's a little confusing for you because you don't know who Aaron Rodgers is, think about if you want to be a world-class cook. Uh, you get to hang out with Gordon Ramsay or watch him cook. A world-class baker, you get to be with a uh, cake boss, buddy. Um, if you want to uh, be a writer, maybe you got to hang out with J.K. Rowling. If you, if you wanted to be like a philosopher, apologetics, you get to hang out with Andy Steiger. So just think about that kind of level. That's the kind of professionalism that I'm looking for in Aaron Rodgers. So I get down there uh, nice and early, and I see them warm up, and I'm like, I'm like screaming and whatever, and it's really good to see them. And, and so then uh, the game's about to start, so they exit the field just to come right back on which is weird, I don't get it. And so they're in the tunnel and they're standing there. And I'm, I'm, right at the, I'm right at the edge and I can see the players and then I see him. I see Aaron. Oh, he has a mustache, it's awesome. And, and I'm like, I should, I should probably say something to him because we're in like shouting rage. We're like, we're like front row, like right about here. That's how far away we are. And I'm like, I should say something to Aaron. MVP, and I just start chanting at him. And he doesn't get a lot of love in Seattle because Seattle like, really loves their team. And so Aaron points at me, and then I start to pee. And, <laughs> and so Aaron, Aaron is just staring, and he smiles and winks, and then I faint. And so I'm just, I'm just like, I pass out. I don't know what happened. They ended up winning the game, and then at the end of the game, Aaron's running off the field, and I'm like, Daniel, hold me. So Daniel's holding on to my, I'm reaching down. It's like 20 feet down. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Aaron, Aaron hits my hand. Oh. Didn't wash my hand for two weeks. And so, what? It's not that gross. And so uh, I see Aaron, then he pulls a guy wearing Green Bay Packers hoodie, and he pulls him aside, he's like, points at me. And I'm like, Aaron Rodgers is talking about me. He probably wants to meet me. So the guy, the guy ends up coming to me, Kate. Hey, uh, Aaron doesn't get a lot of Packers fans here. Uh, he would like to meet you. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Wants to meet me? So I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? He's like, show up here at the, uh, the back of the, the stadium, and Aaron will come out, and he'll meet you. And I, so I'm super into football, right? And so I'm like I'm preparing my questions, being like, okay, I can ask him how to actually be a great football player. Like, I've never had an opportunity to actually meet a great football player. So I'm ready my questions. He only has like 10, 15 minutes of time because he's very famous, lots of important, I don't know, stuff to do. And so I meet him and I pee again. And <laughs> I ask Aaron, I'm like, Aaron, like, 
you're amazing. And I start blabbering and blabbering. I make a fool of myself, yada, yada, yada. And at the end, he's like, so Luke, are you like, do you play football? And because you don't look that athletic. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> um, yes, I'm actually in grade 12 right now and I'm pursuing post-secondary. And can I just get like some advice? Like how, how can I be a better football player? And he says, uh, Luke, it's hard, but if you eat right, you train hard, and uh, you stay in school. You can't be a high school dropout and actually go to the NFL. I'm like, good to know. And so I'm like, Aaron, I actually do all those things. Like, I, I, I do good in school. I eat, like, only one chimichanga a day. And, and I go to, and I play, and I, I have to work hard or else I actually won't play. Um, and so he, he says, okay, there's one other thing that, you, that I did that made me great. And I'm like, what, what was it, Aaron? Tell me, I want, I want to know the secret. And he says, you have to give up all of your personal life to pursue football. And I'm like, Aaron, I like girls. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to pursue girls as well. He's like, no, you can't have both. What? You can't have girls and football? No. But in the movies, the movies are wrong, Luke. <laughs> Dang. Okay, what about like, uh, if my friends go to the movies, can I join them? No. Okay, uh, can I, what if, okay, what if I sleep in? Can I sleep in? No, you got to wake up early and train. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Aaron, this, uh, you know, I'm good. I think I'm done with football. And then I just walk away and then that's the end of the conversation. Fun fact, that's not a true story. I didn't actually meet Aaron Rodgers, but I did pee when I did see him. So that's true. Okay, if I actually was that interested in being a professional football player and I was taking it that seriously, I would abide by Aaron's rules because he's one of the greatest football players to ever play. And if I was to actually be serious, I would give up my other things because I would think it'd be so great to be a football player. In our lives, in, in this world, Jesus is so great. He is so amazing and he has called us for such a fulfilling life compared to what we have to offer. And he's saying, you just have to get rid of everything else and come and follow me. That's the key to a full, happy, joyful, eternal life is following Jesus and giving up everything, putting Jesus first and everything else second. But so often we pull back and we're like, ah, I really like what I have. I really like my me time. And so we're going to dive into a story um, that just goes over this. So we're going to pull out uh, Luke 18, 1830. It's called uh, The Rich in the Kingdom of God or The Rich Young Ruler. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said and heard this and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, 
Jesus said, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. That's God's word. So we're going to go over two things in this. We're going to go over first like Jesus' worth and then the cost. So we're going to look at what, what does this passage say, how valuable Jesus is, and then we're going to look at the, the, the cost of what it actually takes to follow Jesus. What is Jesus actually calling us as Christians to give up to Jesus? And if you're not a Christian here today, um, I, I never want to paint an easy Christianity. Christianity is not easy. It's not something that you can just tack onto your life and be like, I'm a Christian. Christianity is the hardest thing that you'll ever do, but it is the most rewarding thing that will ever happen to you. Jesus is an easy master, but it's not easy to follow. He says many hard things, and this is one of them. So first, we're going over the worth. Jesus is worth. There's, there's two insights I want to pull from this, and the first part is when the, the rich young ruler comes to him, he says, good teacher. He calls Jesus good teacher, and Jesus immediately Barely even lets the guy finish. He's triggered already. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So if you see what Jesus is doing here, Jesus is actually playing a little bit. Jesus is like, if you call me good, that means you're calling me God. Jesus is like, there's only one person who's good. There's only one being who's good, and that's God, and you're calling me good? That's that's me. I'm God then. So Jesus is equating himself with God. So Jesus right off the bat has said, I am equal to God. Jesus has just given himself immeasurable worth with this statement. And one of the many statements that Jesus gives to saying, hey, look, I am actually God. You're calling me good because I am. Jesus is giving himself his own worth, comparing him to the one who's above all worth. So that's the first insight we see. The second insight we see is what Jesus asked the rich man to give up. He says, Sell all your possessions to the poor and then come and follow me. So Jesus is saying everything that you have, everything that you own is actually barely anything compared to what I am to you. Jesus is saying that he is worth more than anything that you have in your life. Put it all together and Jesus is saying, that'll fall up short. You need to follow me because I'm the only way that you can actually have true joy in an actual fulfilled life. Jesus is giving himself more worth than anything in this world, giving him more worth, equal worth with God, and then more worth than anything that you can own. And so those are the two insights. Jesus is saying that he is worth everything. I'm taking a high school team to Thailand this, this spring break. And Thailand is a very interesting place. They're actually very open to hearing about Jesus. It was, it's very strange. We talked to missionaries there, and like, it's very easy to talk about Jesus. I, I, they, they said when they first got there, they're like, they told people about Jesus, and like, yes, I believe. I believe who Jesus is. They're like, great, we're going to make the whole nation Christian. And they would go back again and again to the same people, and they realized that they would just put Jesus up on their shelf with every other idol that they have. They would go and talk to them like, yes, Jesus, along with the other idols. 
And then they come and they'd be like, no, 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 no. Jesus is the only God. You can't have other things up on, up on your wall. And they're like, no, 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 no. Jesus is good. And he, he's just like all the other ones. And then we looked at it, like coming from North America, we're like, no, 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 you can only have one God. Like, don't they get it? Don't they get it? You can only serve one master. But then I'm like, how hypocritical, right? We serve more than one master all the time. We serve money. We serve our time. We serve status. We just, it just looks a bit differently. And so I, I was thinking of that, and I'm like, Jesus is saying that, that, that he is more worth than everything, that all these idols, all these things that we put in front of our lives, like Jesus is worth more. Sell everything that you own and come and follow me. Peter, Peter replies back, but like, we have given up everything. And then Jesus is saying, everything that you give up, you'll, you'll get more than it in this world. Probably not what it looks like, and then you'll get more in eternal life. So Jesus is asking for you to give up something to get something way better in return. It's like what, uh, in the song that Amanda and Andrew wrote, to uproot, uproot your life in ruin for a better life. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, give up these gross wealth and come and follow me. There's, there's an amazing pa uh, parable that Jesus says. He says it's about a man who finds treasure. There's this man, and he, he's walking along, and he sees this field. And he sees this, he just stumbles across this treasure. This just treasure chest of just money. More money than he ever owns. So what he does is he digs a hole, puts the money in the hole, buries it, goes off, sells everything he owns so he can buy that field. He buys that field and now he is set for life. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God to that, that if we, we, we are to give up everything for Jesus because he is that great. Jesus is that amazing, that he has come to bring life and bring life to the full. That we are to give up everything for Jesus. Jesus is saying that he is worth that much. But the sad thing is, sometimes as we get confused, the sad thing is that we get lost sometimes. We listen to the wrong teachers. We don't listen to the right voices. We start to like look at what we have and we start to, to go after money or status or knowledge and we stop pursuing Jesus. Picture this, you are uh, decided to get your doctor's degree to go to medical school. And now for four years of medical school uh, or five years, it, it costs around $280,000. I know, that's a lot of money. But they say, but they say if you, you pass and stuff, you, you get to be a doctor and you'll make it back no problem. So it's a wise investment. So picture this, you're starting med school and you're like $280,000, okay. But they say I'll make it back. You go to your first class, they tell you, okay, this is the assignments that you have to do. And you're like, wow. Oh. Man, when I was watching Scrubs, it did not seem this hard. And then you go to your second class and you're like, okay, I also watch Grey's Anatomy and that's not what they do. <laughs> and so you start thinking, you're like, you know, there's a lot of good like shows out there that tell you how to be a doctor. There's The Good Doctor, there's Grey's, there's Scrubs, there's Chicago, MD, there's, uh, uh, there's like, there's probably other ones, right? 
and you just decide to watch those ones instead. You just like, you know what? I won't go to any of my classes and I'm just going to watch these shows. And by the time I finish watching these shows, I'll probably be as smart as anybody on any of these TV shows and I could easily pass. So you do it and for four years, you just are watching Netflix, just binging all these shows, trying to do what they do. At the end of your four years, uh, let's say you have an exam, an exam to say, hey, let's see if you can actually be a doctor. You get there and you're like, okay, wow, there's nobody here from house. This is weird. Okay. Um, and it gets to the actual test and the teacher says, okay, show us what you know. And you don't have a clue because you just watched house the whole time. Sometimes in life, we listen to the wrong people. We listen to the wrong ideas, the wrong uh, ideologies, and we get so caught up in that that we forget to look for the best teacher that there is. For that doctor student, the best teacher was actually going to class and going to school and doing it that way, not going onto Netflix. In our lives, we search for spirituality, for, for wholeness, through things that are outside the Bible, for outside Jesus thinking that will fix us, that will heal us, that will make our relationships right. I mean, Jesus makes it perfectly clear. He's saying, give up everything, sell everything to the poor and come and follow. He's saying there's nothing else that can actually satisfy your soul like Jesus can. There's no love out there that's so amazing as Jesus's love for you, enough that he would show how much he is worth to this world, that he would die on a cross so that we can have right relationships with each other, so that he can finally bring justice to this world, so there will be no more wrongness in this life, that one day justice will reign supreme, that the, the people who are broken in this world will finally be healed, that every tear that everybody has cried will finally be washed away because Jesus is here. Jesus is saying he is worth so much more than anything that we can pursue in this life. But sometimes we get our, our worths confused and we don't actually see what Jesus is worth, what the world is worth, and we get confused. And that's why Jesus has to say when, when they ask, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus is like, what is impossible for man is possible for God. It's through God that all this happens. It's not by our own strength that we'll be able to give up our idols in our life, whatever they may be, but it's through Jesus. It's coming before Jesus and being like, Jesus, I need your help. I can't do this. I keep making the wrong decision after wrong decision. I need you. And that's what Jesus is saying, that he is the way, that he is the, the way to follow. He is what is worth everything. He is worth everything. He's worth the risk. We have to look in our own lives and see who, who do we actually follow? Who is actually number one in our lives? Who, who are we listening to? Are we listening to like that, oh, that soft, still, quiet voice in our lives that's telling us to, hey, do you know what? Just take some more me time. Hey, you see that person on the side of the road that needs some help? You're, you're too broke to help them. Don't, don't help them. 
Are you asking every day for, for the Holy Spirit to come and be like, be that light, be that salt in wherever you go? Who are we listening to? Are we listening to the good words of what Jesus says or are we not? The, one of the lessons I've been learning recently is that um, if you say yes to Jesus, I, that almost means saying no to everything else in this world. That if we say Jesus is Lord, that means you're saying everything else is not actually equivalent to who he is or even close. And that means giving up a lot of your own personal things that you hold on close to. Um, as Jeff would say, a lot of our secret sins, a lot of our sins in our life that we hold on to as comforts that we keep coming back to when we get sad, angry, lazy, tired, or even hungry. We keep feeding it and feeding it because we're used to it and we don't want to give it up. And so when Jesus says, hey, give that up, we're like, oh man, but I don't know. Jesus, you just said, you just said give up money, but I'm broke, so <laughs> I'm in college. Jesus isn't implying. He's looking at this and being like, he's, he's reading this guy's heart. This guy thinks he's squeaky clean on the outside, but actually he says, well, how do you spend your money? Do you give any to the poor? Give it to the poor. And this guy's like, oh, no. No, I can't, I can't do that, Jesus. That's a, you're asking a bit much. I've worked hard for this. So the cost, the cost of following Jesus is great, but the reward is, is so much more than I could ever explain. The, the joy of following the Lord, I can't put into words. Paul actually in Philippians says, everything else is rubbish. Everything, everything else, your status, your money, your everything, and compared to the glory of who Christ is. Paul was beaten, bruised, bloodied, put in jail for who Jesus is because he saw Jesus as worth everything. And since Jesus is worth everything, he, he's not happy being number two. Jesus will only be number one. Uh, and to get uh, a little personal is uh, to give an example of my own life, how Jesus has been working in my life and pulling out idols. Um, Jesus has always been pulling out idols. Ever since I, was, uh, I became a Christian, Jesus has been like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You need to give that to me. You need to give that to me. Uh, and now the most recent one that Jesus has been pulling on my heartstrings with. Um, so growing up in Abbotsford, uh, I have fell in love with the Mennonite dream. The man in a dream is to be married. And actually it happens, I am engaged and my fiance is there. So yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Cody. And so um, I, I love to love. I have grown up watching so many chick flicks. Um, they're probably on my favorite favorite movies like The Notebook, P.S. I Love You, all that stuff. Like anything with Channing Tatum, just it's a win for me. So I, I've just grown up just with this love to love and I've just like sought after, sought out of, after it. And recently God's been working in my heart with this, this idolatry, this putting things ahead of God that shouldn't be, even if they're a good thing. And so uh, me and Danae, we were driving in a car 
And um, we had an argument, and she was right, I was wrong, um, like it usually ends up. And so when I usually get told that I'm wrong, I get quiet. And guys, you'll probably, uh, maybe hopefully a lot of you will understand this. You just don't want to think. And so you just turn your brain into like fuzz mode. And you just go. <sighs> you just turn your brain off. It's fantastic. But Danae wasn't having any of that. And so she's like, why do you do that? I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to deal with this right now. And she's like, why do you do that? And I'm like, do what? Still not wanting to like have to acknowledge that uh, I am a sinner beyond saving, but God still loves me anyways. And so uh, she's like, why do you get like quiet and like super defensive whenever you're wrong? And I'm like, okay. So I don't think a whole lot. And that took me, it took me like five minutes of just to try to get actually thinking of why. And so I was thinking, okay, why do I get upset when I'm wrong? Okay, when I get, I get upset because that means Danae's right and I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, that shows that I'm less than her. And then it shows that I'm less than her. That shows that I'm not worthy of her. And then if she finds out that I'm actually not worthy of her, she's going to break up with me. And then it flashes back to all the times like I get, if you've done this, it's okay. I've moved on. But I get people come up to me and they're like, Luke, like, I like you and everything, but how did you get her? I, Luke, like, just between, how'd you do it? This is, what's the secret? It's not a secret. Like, <laughs> Luke, how did you catch her? She's not a fish. It's not like I just, well, let's see if that works. And like, I had like, they're like, Luke, like, you're okay looking, but like, she's gorgeous. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Wait a minute. What are you? And so all this comes flashing into me and I'm like, Maybe everyone's right. Maybe, maybe I don't, I mean, I'm not worthy of this. Maybe I'm just living the dream and one day Denise's going to open her eyes and be like, man, that is a sinner and I can't date that guy. And so as I'm like confessing all this, I'm like crying. And this is the first time I cried in front of her. And I'm like, I just don't feel like I'm worthy. I feel like I don't deserve you. And then this is the time where she's supposed to go, um, honey, I love you for who you are. You're so like, no, I don't care what people say. You're awesome. No. She says, have you given it to God? And I'm like, oh, man. So here she is. She's like, Luke, what if I break up with you? Are you going to be okay? Because if you're getting your happiness from me, that's idolatry. Are you getting your joy from me? Because that's wrong, because Jesus is your joy. If I break up with you, you get your joy from who Jesus is, not from me. I fell into that atmosphere dream that I was searching for this love to fix me, to fill me, to make me feel something, but then I got it. But what? I'm still broken. Still me. That love didn't actually fix anything. And then I, this happened and Danae calls it out. And I'm like, Jesus is the one who's supposed to fill my life. Jesus is the one who I'm supposed to give everything to. So it's Jesus. If I asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He'd say those things. And I'd say, Jesus, I do all that. I'm a pastor. <laughs> and then Jesus would say, Luke, have you given up everything? Have you given up 
the number one love of your life. Or maybe it's something different for you. Maybe you read this passage and you're like, okay, one, I'm broke, so I don't have any money. Two, I'm single, don't have any love. I mean, you probably have some love somewhere, your parents. Um, or maybe it's, uh, maybe you're lazy. Maybe you just go home after school and you just watch Netflix. Maybe instead of the young rich ruler, it's the young lazy ruler. Uh, maybe you're lustful. Maybe you're, you're, you're searching things on the internet you shouldn't search. Maybe instead of the young rich ruler, the, the uh, young lusty ruler. Or maybe, maybe uh, you're super uh, arrogant, the young arrogant ruler. Whatever it is, whatever Jesus, whatever is the first thing in your life, Jesus is asking you to give that up. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's studying all the time. Maybe it's trying to get the best grade in your class. Maybe it's saying, hey, you should give up as much, you should spend as much time as you spend doing your homework as you spend with Jesus. Or maybe it's status that you're trying to get it. Whatever it is, Jesus is saying, I am worth more. I haven't, Jesus hasn't come so that you may stay the same. Jesus has come so that you may change and become more like him, that you may fall in love more and more with him, that we actually become world shakers, that we go from here and we are salt, we are light, and we change this world in the coming kingdom of Jesus. That Jesus is coming back, and what do you want him to say to you? Well done, good and lazy servant. Well done, good and lusty. No, you want to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You want Jesus to come back and say, yes, you gave me everything. With the help of Jesus, what is impossible for man is possible for God. Uh, John Bloom, uh, who's the editor of Desiring God, says this. According to Jesus, earthly prosperity is extraordinarily dangerous. It makes it humanly impossible to enter God's kingdom. It's fool's gold. But his power is so binding that when Jesus held out real treasure to this man in exchange for the counterfeit, he wouldn't trade it. And what he did was choose poverty over incalculable internal wealth. And so here we are. And if you're not a Christian here today, this is what Jesus is saying to you. Do you want eternal life filled with riches in this life that can go far beyond whatever anything, anything in this world can give you? Or do you want to live in extreme poverty of hopelessness in this world? And if you are here a Christian and you love Jesus, there's always idols in our life that are trying to wrestle Jesus off the throne as number one. We need to take some time and actually wrestle through that and being like, okay, what is Jesus actually calling me to do, a Christian in my society? Who does he want me to be? How does he want me to show that I love him that much? I'm gonna pray, and then uh, the NYT, NYA worship team is gonna come back on. Father, uh, we thank you for who you are, uh, we thank you for your son uh, who has shown how much, how valuable he is, how valuable you are, how valuable our relationship with you is. We pray that you would um, 
just be in our hearts and just pull us closer to who you are. Pull us closer to your word and how important you are. Show us how important you are. God, we love you and just help us love you more. Help us to actually believe and do what's in your word. We pray this all through your son's name by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.